and learn how to be like Moses, he had one thing in mind. He wanted to meet face to face with God. He just wanted to be with Jesus. And we talk about Jesus, even in Moses' time, as you read the Old and New Testament, they'll actually call that rock that, that was there was Christ. And they drank from that rock who was Christ. It, it was looking forward to Christ, even as we look back toward Christ and ahead toward Christ. But Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And I know a place. I know a place. <laughs> you can kind of see it there right now. If you could go back to the, where I can see the place better. <laughs> but anyway, I know a place that just, it attracts me. There's places in our lives that attract us. You can think of a place that attracts you. Maybe it's a sinful place. Maybe it's a place in the hills when you're taking a vacation or a place to fish. But you know a place in this physical world that really satisfies you. Whether for good or for bad, it satisfies you to a degree. Maybe only for a season, but it's satisfying. Maybe it's a place called anger. A place called resentment. A place where you can really spend some time if you get a chance. But I want to tell you, I know a place. I know a place. I, hallelujah. I know a place that outweighs them all, outshines them all, and just totally eclipses them all. Yeah. Woo! Ah! The world can't give it, and the world can't take it away. Been trying for 36 years. I'm more determined than ever to finish good. I'm hoping I got quite a few of them finished years left. But I know a place. The song, the old song we used to sing from Vineyard, I know a place where accused and condemned find mercy and grace. I know a place where what I have done and what's been done to me is nailed there with him, there on the cross. I know a place. I know a place, a, a mercy seat. I know a place that I, I've got to run every day. I don't know how you do it if you don't run there every day. I don't know how you get through life. I don't know what place you're hanging on to, but it's time to cry out to God with everything you've got and to get into that place that I'm talking about, that place of freedom, that place that when somebody says Jesus makes your heart jump, not makes your heart think, just kind of confuses you. You can't understand where they're coming from. Joshua knew a place. A lot of people knew the place. They went out there in that tent, but they just went out to inquire of the Lord. They didn't go to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. Joshua was there to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. The reason I know they didn't go in that place just to gaze upon his beauty and seek him in his temple, I, the reason I know that is because in one place in the Bible, it says that Arian and Mer, Aaron and Miriam and Moses came out of the tent of meeting. And God was very upset with Miriam because she was speaking against Moses. And Aaron was speaking against Moses. They were not looking for his face in the tent. They were talking about their leader. Did 
God came down and said, yeah, you guys hear from God in dreams and visions, but I'm talking to, I talk to Moses face to face. He's got a little more corner on it than you do. I always look at our pastor that way. I don't dare say <laughs> anything. I don't care what kind of pressure I'm under. I ain't pointing at him. I don't like leprosy. I just never liked it. <laughs> Whatever that stuff is, <laughs> it ain't good. But I know a place. And when I go to that tent, I'm not going there to talk. I'm going there to seek his face, to gaze upon his beauty. If Jesus came into this worship center this morning and he looked into every one of our eyes, what would he be looking for? Would he be looking for perfection, outward appearance, or how much you've been doing? When I see his his trek in the Bible, his life through the Bible. I don't think he's looking for that stuff. It seems to me that what he's looking for when he's looking into the eyes of people, when he's looking into a crowd, he's looking for somebody that's desperately expectant of him, desperately hopeful that they can be with him, that they can touch him. So many examples, we've all heard of them, but we need to talk about them. The woman had a blood issue for 12 years, spent all her money on doctors and couldn't get any better. There was a crowd that day. The Bible says very clearly that they almost crushed Jesus. There's a woman, very weak and brittle, spent 12 years trying to get help and could not get it, and there's a crowd crushing Jesus. There is no way she could have got through that crowd unless she was crawling and screaming, and not, maybe not screaming, but stress, and trying to get to Jesus, and sometimes some legs would move, and some way, somehow, she touched his garment, and just what she thought would happen, happened. She got healed. Just got to see Jesus. I just got to touch him. I got to smell him. I've got to taste him. I've got to behold him. I've got I've to somehow let who he is shine onto my life and change everything. This changes everything. Hmm. I know you're trying to hold that in. But... He says, who? who who touched me? Peter said, you're crazy. Everybody's crushing you. What do you mean who touched you? A lot of people are touching you. But see, he's not just looking for somebody who's desperate and expectant to get a hold of him, to have a friendship with him, to have a relationship with him. He's not just looking for that. He's sensing that. Every part of his being knows who wants him, who really wants him. There's a difference between Americans' cultural Christianity and a relationship with Jesus. So much different. So much undignified. So much real. I keep trying to get dignified. I really do. I've tried. Sorry. I really try. I really have tried. But I can't get a hold of him that way. I can't have life that way. I can't say hallelujah like that. 
crowd was crushing, but she's going to see Jesus. The royal, the royal official in, in John 4, he heard that Jesus came down into Galilee, so he says, hey, i got to go see Jesus. Jesus decided to test his faith. And he's pushing through, he, he's, he got up to where Jesus was, and he said, Jesus, my son is dying, I need you to come and heal him. And Jesus looked and he said, except you guys see signs and wonders you won't even believe. And you know what? It's kind of like Jesus ignored what he was saying just to test him. And he said, ah, you got the wrong motives. And the guy just came back without excusing himself in any way. He said, come down here, my child die. It's not about me wanting to see a sign. It's not about me wanting to see a wonder. I need my son healed. He was, Jesus was looking for a guy like that. He tested him to make sure he's a guy like that. And then he said, hey, right after he said, come down here, my child die. Right after he closed the, the argument that Jesus was having with him. Right after that, he, he said, go your way, your son's healed. So he went down to his folks, to the home folks, and he said, when did this guy get healed? Seventh hour? That's the same time I was talking to Jesus. No coincidence, no medicine, it wasn't ibuprofen. <clears throat> I'm sick of ibuprofen. You always give glory to medicine. I take it, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, but I tell you what, I seek the Lord first. And many times I don't need to take it. Honest. I just want a Jesus. I just want more of him. Bartimaeus, screaming out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd, the all nice followers of Jesus, they were all following Jesus. Don't we all look like we're following Jesus? And the crowd told him, be quiet, be quiet. They rebuked him. In other words, you're wrong. You should shut up, sit down, and be quiet, and stop it. They rebuked him. You're wrong. You should not be after Jesus in such a diligent, desperate, hungry way. Just give me Jesus. Bartimaeus shouted all the louder. I don't care what you guys do. I'm going to shout all the louder, he said. I'm going to shout all the louder. And then Jesus looked at the people that rebuked him. Bring that guy to me. I want to talk to him. And all of a sudden, they changed their attitude. And they go, hey, come on. The, the, Jesus is calling you. Will you come here? Christians, Christians. Yeah. He takes the leap. He chooses the weak to lead the strong. Just tell me. I got about an hour and a half left, right? <laughs> We're not through the introduction yet. Praise you, Jesus. Which doesn't matter. If we don't get done, we don't get done. I'm getting good at this. I stop when I'm supposed to stop. Somebody later, okay? Um, hallelujah. I, uh, I got saved last night. No. <laughs> I got saved in 1981. In 1982, I believe it was Sylvester Stallone, decided to put out a movie called Rocky Three. And that was about 10, 12, 10, 11 months after I got saved. And I was sitting in the movie theater in Aberdeen. And I was pretty fired up yet, I think. But I wasn't as fired up as when I was fired up. And I was sitting there watching, and Rocky had lost all his desire to win. Um, his desperate expectation of, a, of victory because he'd been stomped down. He'd been beat to a pulp. He had been made a fool of. He had been the best boxer in the world for quite a while. He, he got beat by a guy, he come back, he beat that guy, then he beat a bunch of other guys. 
But then some guy come out of the crowd and said, you're nothing. Made fun of him and, and slandered him and stuff. And the guy comes. And finally, Rocky couldn't take any longer. He said, okay, we'll fight. Took him a round or two. Demolished Rocky. Demolished the so-called champ because he had become famous. He'd become dignified. He'd become filled with money and things and, and stuff and how to do everything right and, and just relied on his legacy. Well, so that guy took it all out of him. And he didn't want to, he, he, he literally said his wife tried to get him some encouragement. His, his uh, prior, uh, the guy that he had won respect from Apollo's Creed because Apollo's Creed had, had, uh, had defeated him, but then, uh, uh, then he defeated him the second match. And so that guy said, I can see how Rocky could win. So he tried to encourage Rocky, and he's trying to encourage Rocky, and his wife's trying to encourage him. His trainer's trying to encourage him. You can come back. You can come back. But he just, he'd work out. He'd train, but he just didn't have what they called the eye of the tiger. He just didn't have that desperate desire to win anymore. Jesus is looking for you, whoever's starting to feel that desperate desire to rising up just a little right now. Jesus is looking to answer your prayer. I had never seen him say no to me. I have never seen him say no to me. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Ask anything you want and it shall be done unto you. Glue yourself to Jesus. Glue yourself to his word. Glue yourself to his promise. He said, if you will cry out to me day and night, you might have to get on dignified. I don't care how you do it. As long as you do it with all your heart, he'll come. Because all of a sudden, it's not about you. It's about him. I don't care how you do it, but the fact is, when he stuck the Holy Ghost in you, Jenny alluded to it, and said he put a Holy Spirit in us. I'm sorry about the English, but the Greek says to shriek, to scream, to cry aloud, to probably shout hallelujah. To shriek, to scream, it doesn't, what does cry mean? We go over that as if it just means pray quietly in the spirit. I don't know, the spirit he put in me and the spirit that manifested itself and confused me for eight years. I was seeking the Lord for a sermon one time because we're going to go out to California and save the world. And we did. No, we didn't save the world, but we went out there. (laughs) But I was studying the scriptures out and for eight years I've been crying out to God. And I've been crying out loud, and it's like, God, the only time I sense your glory and your freedom and your power is when I cry out loud, but something's wrong with me. Nobody else cries out loud. And I got into that Greek word in Romans 8, 15. I got, it ain't my fault. It's his fault. He put that spirit in me. (laughs) Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let him do it if he wants. Let him cry if he wants. Let him shout Jesus if he wants. I don't know, Jesus, the Bible says, I'm really just winging it. I mean, I've studied all this. This is in my heart, but it's all over these notes. I don't know, but Jesus, when he was on, the Bible says in Hebrews 5, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one that could hear him, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now, you can be reverently submissive and have quiet tears and whispers instead of loud cries and tears. That's fine if you get your answer. But if there's something that 
your former way of being fervent isn't working. Maybe the Holy Ghost is not backing up what, what you're doing. Maybe he wants you to release and just be you and be free. I don't want anybody, I'm not talking about a method. I'm just saying if the Holy Spirit in some way wants to begin to be louder in you, let the Holy Spirit be that way. I do not know why Billy Graham, as far as I know, doesn't speak in tongues and gets by really good and is one of the best preachers in the whole world. I don't know why Chuck Colson, I love, not Chuck Colson, I love listening to him too when he was alive, Chuck Swindle. I don't know why he doesn't believe in any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yet I love listening to him when he's not speaking about why the gifts aren't for today. I don't know why he can do it, but guess what? I can't do it. I'm not pushing it on anybody. If you can be a Chuck or a Billy, that's even better. But I'm telling you, he put a spirit in me that shrieks and screams, cries aloud and groans. I'm just trying to be moved with and through him. I never made a loud noise when I was a kid. Not that I know of. I was very bashful, timid, scared. And boy, has he set me free. You wouldn't believe how scared I was. Four years, suicidal. I believe every last one of us. It can't happen. You cannot get saved without this happening. I believe every last one of us was born again with a desperate expectancy to win. The Bible says he has made us more than conquerors. Will death nor life, will nakedness or, or there's two just verses there, nakedness or danger or sword, death or life nor angels nor principality nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth, will any of this stuff separate us from God? No, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So Rocky's got his head down and he can't get the spark back. And I don't know how he got it back. It's too long ago. But I remember they said, look, Apollo said, look at those three guys. I don't know if they were on video or whatever. or Maybe they were just in the gym. Look at those three guys. Look in their eyes. They got that. Ex <laughs> you look at McGregor and you look, I don't know about Mayweather. He's pretty cool. I don't know if you can tell if he's got that look. But McGregor has the look, you know. And, uh. And Rocky just said, look in those eyes. And they could see the eye of the tiger in those guys. Those guys are going to be winners. We're in a battle. It's ours to win. In one sense, we've won it only because we've decided to be conquerors and decided to go through the darkness and the valley and push through and press on and not rely on a place other than the place. I know a place. The other places don't work. The continue. I've fallen into this before, but the continual looking and watching and enjoying the old movies on Netflix, the continual comfort in all those things. Why do I want him so bad? Why would I give up things that aren't even sinful in and of themselves, these distractions? He put something in me that cries, Abba, Father. It's, he puts something in me that wants to be with him in that place. I want to be with him so bad. I want to spend time in that tent. Guess who doesn't want you in that tent? Who doesn't want you in that tent? Who's our adversary? 
I'm afraid some of us don't know we have an adversary. If we find comfort in so many places and not in the tent, the adversary is really not going to bother you a lot. You'll go through stuff. You'll find answers. But the adversary will not bother you a lot. We were born again. We were born with that expectancy. 1981, I was saved. 1982, I go to that Rocky movie, and I'm bawling in there when they get to that point where they're racing on the, on the beach. Him and Apollos. He was racing with everything he had. He got the eye of the tiger back. And he's going to go back in a rematch. He's going to destroy that guy in the same amount of time the guy destroyed him. Hallelujah. The devil's been messing with you. The devil's been trying to destroy you. You don't have that same fire you had when you first got saved those first few months, those first few days, those first few weeks, maybe the first few years, or that you've had off and on. You don't have that same fire because somebody beat you down so bad that you don't want to even run any longer. You don't want to run with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength because somehow, someway, you didn't find the right weapon to cut the head off of that idiot, that evil thing. <laughs> what is it? What have you not cut the head off of? What have you not cut the head off? I want you to know, if I can get you to that tent, you'll be able to slice his head right off. How do you get to that tent? I like what Carmen, everybody, anybody know Carmen? Anybody? Back when I was fired up, Carmen was fired up. <laughs> He had this song, just beautiful song. Comes right out of Revelations. And I don't remember the name of the song, but I remember the one little line. I just remember enough to get me through. He says, I'm looking for someone, y'all. He's a lion, Stephen rattlesnake, and he's broken every law. He said, I got a weapon with two bullets to defeat all sin and crud. One of, them, one of the bullets is the word of my testimony. And the other one is the blood. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and a word of their testimony. He said, he said they threw, God threw Michael and all them and God, they threw the devil out of, out of heaven. And it says he came down and he tried to destroy the woman. And when he couldn't do that, it says he's going to destroy all of her children. And then it tells you the children are those that hold to the testimony of Jesus and to the word of God. The children that he's making war with is those that are holding, pushing through the crowd, getting a hold of Jesus. He's making war with you. And he will win. If you don't have that eye of the tiger, he will win. He will deceive you. He will make you think you're a Christian. And he will win. And you will find out one day. I didn't even have a relationship with Jesus. I had form. I went to church. I felt his presence but I had no relationship. He couldn't move me to, to, to say something to somebody on the street. He couldn't move me even in church to say something to somebody in church. He couldn't move me to go pray for somebody. I didn't even feel his burden to pray for people in private. I just played a game out in public. He can deceive us that much. He can push us down so much to the point where we finally just lose the eye of the tiger. That desperate, I said, God, in that, in that movie theater, I said, God, I just started weeping, God, 
I ask you to give me back that desperate willingness, those exact words, that desperate willingness to, to win look, that eye of the tiger. Father, help me to run and to, to go and to serve you with that desperate, desperate willingness to win look. Give me the eye of the tiger. Hallelujah. How many times I've come to a point where I've had to pray prayers something like that because the world is always trying to push me to the point of I don't want to rematch. Well, guess what? The devil doesn't neither. He wants to put you down. He never have to fight you again. But I got a Jesus. <laughs> Rising up. Hallelujah, Jesus. Then Carmen's got another song I like. <laughs> we'll get to the scriptures too. Well, I did. I gave you a scripture. Radically saved. Got, I got saved shortly after that. He's singing that song. Jesus Christ is Lord and God's still on the throne. There's power in the blood and I'm saved to the bone. That devil come against me, he's going to feel some pain. I don't like him because I can bind and bruise and cast him out by the power of Jesus' name. No longer on the outside, on the inside I now stand. And I do stand now. I don't hide anymore. No longer on the outside, on the inside I now stand. Sold out the whole route, completely born again. I believe that on the third day, I believe that on the third, I believe that on the third day, whoo, Jesus rose from the grave. Ah! My friends think I'm crazy, but I am just radically saved. That's all the problem is. I just got saved. Hallelujah. No, it isn't something else. No, it wasn't the way I was born or something that hit my head when I was little. I got saved. I got saved. I ain't saying I didn't hit my head, but that wasn't what happened. I got saved. <laughs> Yay. There's a lot of blood scriptures. We'll skip some of them. Hallelujah. He bought us with his blood. The Bible says Ephesians 1, 7. It says we can go boldly into his throne because of the blood. The devil tells me I ain't no good. The devil tells me I need to quit. The devil says all kinds of stuff. And I say, no, the blood of Jesus. Get out of my face. Many times I'm going to the secret place. I'm going to be with Jesus today. I'm going to spend time with him. And so I get in there and the devil tries to follow me in. Creep. <laughs> Talk about that in a moment, probably, maybe. The devil don't want you in the secret place. You get, you're too busy to go there. You need to make a living. You need to make more money. There's no time for that. Oh, you worked awful hard. You need to watch three or four movies. No, just one. But by the time you get one, you'll have to have three or four. I've been there. <laughs> don't lie to me. My flesh is just like yours. Only thing that ever broke that is Jesus helped me. All I, could, I couldn't will it. Jesus helped me. Jesus helped me. Jesus helped me. Jesus, help me. i got to get to the tent. We have some shifting going on in our life. I believe God's redirecting our lives a little bit. And going through a lot of pain and oppression, almost two weeks ago now, I'd say, a little, about two weeks ago. And uh, I was sleeping. And I was trying to find, I, I, I saw in this, I guess I'm, I'm calling it a vision. I call it a real fight. It's like it was a real fight, and at the same God, time, God was teaching me something. But I was in this building, and there were rooms and doors, and uh, I was trying to get in them, but people weren't letting me go in. 
And then another person said, well, you're sinning, and, and they wouldn't let me go help over that way because I'm in a sin. And, and people were just see, reading things wrong, and I was trying to get in the door. Finally, I got in one door, and it's like everybody's thinking, oh, okay, we can go in there. And as soon as I got in, something lifted me up to the ceiling. It was the devil. I mean, I immediately knew it was something evil. And I got in the door. That's why I said, we can get in there, and he'll try to follow us in. I got in the door. I, I know I can't put this in words quick enough to help you understand, but I got in the door. I've been going for 15 years wondering when we get back in the ministry. I believe the other night when this warfare happened, we're just stepping back into ministry. God's opening a new advancement for us. He's opening a new door for us, and the devil don't want us in there. He didn't want us to get in the first place, and once I got in, he thought he'd jump in. And so I said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And she heard me screaming in my sleep, and I, I would let go. I didn't go plump or anything. I just went back down to the floor, and I was okay. I went to the bathroom. I came back. Two things popped in my back, just, just like big old bald joints or something. And all of a sudden, I felt good. I'd been feeling so. It's like, I wonder if I'm dying or something. And that night, I'd prayed about an hour and a half with my sister over the phone in the spirit. And that was before all this happened. Right after we prayed, went to bed. And uh, four hours later, I woke up. Uh, it was kind of a slow healing, but it was a quick, I knew I was free. And then it was, and then it was just process after that. But, I know a place. What do you guys know? I know a place. Tell me, I know a place. Yeah. What do you guys know? I know a place. You know that place. I want you to know you can go there. That's the only place that's going to save you. That's the only place that's going to give you what you need to go out in your day. Sometimes you got to really get a hold of the blood of Jesus. I mean, there's, there's probably not a day I go by, and it's usually when I'm in that place, but I'll do it when I'm driving or whenever. But I'll say, Satan, the Lord, I'll be praying in the Spirit, I'll be worshiping, and then it gets to this point, it seems like just about every day, and I'll say something like this. Satan, the Lord rebukes you. I proclaim the blood of Jesus against you. I proclaim the blood of Jesus over my body, my mind, my soul, and my spirit. Because of what Jesus did, I am free. He paid the price for my freedom, worthy as a lamb, to receive his reward. His reward is my freedom, and his reward is your freedom. Worthy is the Lamb of God, so Satan back off. Worthy is my God to see me free. Whether it's sin, or whether it's oppression, whether it is any kind of obsession, whatever it is, he is worthy to see me free. He's not holding a, a club anymore. He's not trying to condemn me to hell. He's saying, take your authority and be free. Whether it's sin or anything else, don't, don't keep saying, oh, God, I'm so sorry I did it. I'm so sorry. I, oh, sorry. I don't spend a lot of time repenting, I'm telling you. You've got to take this in context. But I get into his presence. And when I'm in his presence and we deal with the enemy that's beating us over and saying you're never going to be able to pay for that sin. When we take care of him and we're in his beautiful love and we get to the point where you just want to kiss him. Oh, God, I just love you. I just love you. He knows you repented before you can even say anything. You don't have to be real wordy about it. That's the Jesus. I like a relationship with him. He, what, what is the only reason he came back? Did he come back to save you from hell? Did he come back to get you to heaven? Or did he come back to get a relationship with you that lasts forever? There's a little bit of difference. If it's a relationship, then you'd be working on it now. If it's so you can get to heaven, it's just some prize you're going to get someday. He died for one thing. Give me relationship back. He was destroyed for 33 years so that he could have me back. Hallelujah. What do you guys know?
Hey. Woohoo! The devil ain't gonna want you there either after this. How much time we got? I got 15 minutes. I don't know if I should go down the line or the points I really like. But let me tell you about fellowship. The Bible talks all about discerning the body of Christ, discerning each other. In other words, have we been loving each other, have we been caring for each other? Have we been come together for fellowship, koinonia? You guys have heard the sermons, a lot of you. Uh, you know, that sweet, intimate fellowship. And one way to get back in that tent when it's really tough, when you feel like you're out in the world all by yourself and you can't get that back in, you can't get into that tent. One way to do that is to have fellowship with other Christians. I think you can even do it if you watch a Mayweather-McGregor match. That's a miracle, but I think you can. But I was talking to Pastor John, and he was watching that when I was talking to him. So he helped me to, to uh, pray through for this message. Um, I was talking to a guy, again, there's a war, folks. You have to get, you get used to this too, but you're up and down. You're going to think, well, does that guy always have oppression? I'm always going against oppression. I'm always on the cutting edge. I'm always trying, not that I've always been there, but I'm always trying to be at a place where I can keep close to Jesus, and he's always trying to keep me not close to Jesus. And I, this guy come in, he'd gotten saved, uh, came into our parsonage that day. He'd gotten saved down in Plainville, Kansas, and he'd come to the altar week after week. I don't know if it was 20 weeks. It was a lot of weeks, and he would just sit there and be prayed for, and you could literally feel, feel him Drinking in the presence and the love of God just constantly. And after lots and lots of weeks, he quit coming up so often. But he stopped by the house one day, and I was not feeling good. I was on the floor sitting against the couch for whatever reason, thinking about how am I going to pray through this stuff. And uh, he just come by, and he started talking away to me and talking. And I'm sure we were talking about the Lord. That's all he ever wanted to talk about at that time. And, and um, the longer we talked... Everything just started loosening up. All the pains went away, the brain, the, the headache, whatever. All the stuff that was just all over me in fellowship was just taken away. You know, we talk about the body and blood of Christ, and, and, and that's the time when we take communion that we always talk about healing. We need to have sweet communion with each other a lot. We didn't eat no bread or drink no wine or anything, but we had sweet communion about Jesus, and Jesus was in the middle of it brought healing to me. I was able to get into that place because of fellowship. See, I don't want to leave anything out, so I'm just going to go down the line and get, because then I'm going to think, ah, I should go back to that one. I talked to Jonathan, our pastor, our associate pastor, two weeks ago coming, this Tuesday be two weeks ago, and I don't even know what he said. He, he was talking about kingdom culture and all the stuff he always talks about. Loving Jesus and how much he loves everybody and how he just likes to be with us and all that kind of stuff. I don't remember what he said, but something when he said it just triggered in my heart. I'm done. I am done with roofing. I cannot do this anymore. It takes me too many times away from that place. And that place is where I want to be. There's jobs, I'm sure, that would give me more time in that place. Pretty sure it'll be something to do with pastoring. But fellowship with Jonathan sparked something that set me on a road 
It was a link that I needed to set me on the next road to the point where I just told you about a little while ago where I was in the secret place and the, the devil tried to hold me up. And, and uh, so I called Jonathan and Heather to uh, the next week to, to say, what can we use for music on the altar uh, at the end this week? And that's when I said, you know, I don't, I, I, it sounds stupid now, but these doors and this opportunity thing, I didn't know what it meant. So I, she, she uh, felt she had the interpretation. So she told me, well, that just means God's promoting you into a new, into a new level, a new place. And uh, it just clicked. It was just like, yeah, that's obviously what was going on. That happened because of fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. I want to go to that place. I know a place. I know a place. I'm going to get there through the blood of Jesus. I'm going to get there through fellowship. I'm going to get there through fasting. I'm going to get there through obedience. A lot of this is just testimonies. I don't like, I love old testimonies, but I like newer ones. Um, my sister wants me to preach for a farm area. They have a get-together every year. And it's like, well, I'm preaching today. I got to go to the fair all week. And then she wants me to preach right after that. And I told her, nah, I don't think so. I've learned not to overdo myself. So I'm asking God, what, what should I do? Should I, can I handle that? To this day, I don't know how I could handle that. And it's coming up quick. And so I waited about five days. And I told her, nothing. <laughs> And I asked God some more, and so I opened my Bible. I said, okay, God, I need a word. I was truly seeking God. I was truly trying to hear his voice, not just any word. But this is the, only, this is the word. I, look, I opened it up. I thought, well, and I just sat on it a couple more days because I didn't think it could be for me. 2 Timothy 4, woman, in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his mercy and his appearing, in view of his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So it says be in season and out of season. I thought, I ain't telling her yet. So I waited about another three days and where did I run into her? At a funeral, we were at the, a funeral and I ran into her and she pressed me on it again. I said, yeah. I said, I don't know if this verse is for me, but this is what I felt God gave me. I said, what do you think it means? <laughs> so, so I'll be preaching up at that farm. But what if I wouldn't have been obedient? Where would I have been? You know, if God said, literally, I give you this charge, preach the word. I could just say, well, it's coincidence, or, well, I'm not sure God would want me, all the different reasons that I was reasoning not to. And then I began to get further and further from the tent. But in obedience, it brings you into his presence. Obedience. I got to hit this verse. Let's look at John 15, 8 through 16. John 15. 8 says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. You feel like you're in a tent all the time. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and I remain in his love, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. I want you to be happy, guys. I'm telling you this one thing so your joy will be complete and my joy will be in you. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has nobody than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, I can't go up to Jenny and say, you're my friend if you do what I command. <laughs> but Jesus can say that to me. He's, 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 he's so friendly. Look what he says. You are my friends. And then he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. What happens when you got a friend? What happens when you got a friend? Well, when, when you're fellowshipping with somebody and all of a sudden you realize God is finally, after 15 years of not really pastoring or preaching, finally he's going to let you go. You want to tell Ginny Apple right away. You want to tell your friend. Before you even get home, you want to make calls. So I called Margarito, who's sitting in the back. I called Margarito. As soon as I got done talking to, to, uh, to Jonathan, and I said, hey, I hope you're ready to take over the business because I'm done. I scared him to death. I said, well, it might not be today, but I'm done. I'm done. But you got a friend. You want to tell him everything. I called other people. And I, just, I just had to tell them because I have three friends. says, Jesus said, I, I, I've told you everything about my father. I've told you everything. You're my friends. And then Exodus 33, 11, he says, he met with him face to face as a friend talks to a friend. I know a place where friends talk, and his name is God. His name is Jesus. I know a place that the devil will do everything he can to keep you out of. And if he can keep you out of that place... I believe he'll keep you out of that place. Obedience gets us into that tent. The name of Jesus, I gotta say this one, then I think we've gotta close, but the name of Jesus in John 17, 11. I just love this, this is so very good. John 17, 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. What name did he give him? His name's Jesus. Protect them by the power of the name that you gave me. His name shall be called Jesus, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them. I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. Not going to be that one. But by his name, they've been kept. You don't have to know a whole bunch in Jesus to get rid of the devil. You just need to know that name. Jesus. Jesus. When that begins to boil out of your being with the power of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, you will be free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember one time in a youth group, a guy was in my youth group, and I think this was after the youth group thing, and it was more of a young adult by now, 
And we went out to the Black Hills to get a guy from Job Corps and bring him back home. And I was going up on this icy road, and all of a sudden something happened, and the car, this car started going off, just, just, just as quick as could be. And I, I felt bad because I didn't say it, but this guy that was with me, he goes, Jesus! I mean, really quick he got out. The car just went right straight where it was supposed to. I'm not joking. And we went and got that guy and brought him home. The name of Jesus will protect you. Oh, have him on your heart all the time. Hallelujah. And I told you about how I said Jesus. How many got saved and had weird, hard stuff happen to you like I did? I'd sleep at night and all of a sudden I'm feeling like I'm getting choked and I can't get Jesus out. And as soon as I get Jesus out, it, has, it lets go. And I wake up and, oh, it's just the devil. Just the devil. Hallelujah. <laughs> Scary old guy. <laughs> I'm trying to close on time. And I think we'll... Okay, there's three other ways to get in there and probably more. But as you learn in the Lord, you just keep on getting in and it'll get easier to get in. But you got to be in that tent. If it costs you your life, get in the tent because the moment you dive fighting to get in that tent, that qualifies you for the tent. Worship, Psalm 149 says, Let the high praise of God be in my mouth to execute vengeance upon the heathen, upon the devil, and punishment upon the demons, to bind the devil with chains and the demons with fetters of iron. This honor hath all his saints to, to execute the sentence written against them. There's a sentence written against them. If we'll worship, how come I want to shout hallelujah? How come I want to say worthy? How come I want to glorify his name? Because it brings me into his presence and the enemy, the sentence is executed against him. I don't have to focus on him. I'm focused on my father and all I can see is worthy. Worthy. Hallelujah. What do you guys know? You know a place called worship. And it'll get you into that tent. It'll get you into the presence where all you do is want to gaze upon his beauty, seek him in his temple. Ah, there's too much to preach. <laughs> Psalm 27. One thing I ask of the Lord, David said, one thing I seek is, one thing I desire, one thing I seek is that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Why? Because of in the day of trouble. If I can just stay in there all the time, then in the day of trouble, he'll set me high upon a rock above the enemies that surround me. Then will I sacrifice with quiet whispers. No. Then will I sacrifice with shouts. Why? Because he set me high upon a rock above the enemies that thought they had me. Stomped on their hand. Made them let go. Crawling up on the rock that's high above them. Ah! Pain and agony. But not to me. To my enemy. Ah! Just give me Jesus. I don't care what it costs. The Word of God, get a hold of the Word. A guy in college, when I first got saved, studying the Bible because I come out of a lot of false doctrine. And I found it in Hebrews. Everything's in Hebrews. I found it in Hebrews. And I was so excited. It's like 2 in the morning. And I go up to this guy that was a good Christian. And he's up in the top bunk in another room. And I go, Rich! And he goes, Who? And his head hit the ceiling. And he said, he said, don't, do, don't ever do that again. Don't, don't ever do that again. I said, yeah, but I found a scripture. <laughs> Set me free. Set me free from false doctrine. Got myself in the tent. 
And then creation, and I'm done. And then creation. I was in Bible school, believe it or not. I was in Bible school, and they, I don't know why they do that to you. Because I just didn't feel like they were giving me the truth so much as in this one class, they were trying to show us all the false things that they say about the Bible. Ah, it's just turmoil in my heart because you're thinking, is it, could it be true? Could it be true that they really did this and did this and twisted scripture there? And it was just invented over there. And they were just saying all kinds of stuff. And I just was so in turmoil. I went out and laid down on the side of a hill. That's all, that's all they got where we went to college in California. And um, claustrophobia. And uh, I looked up and stars. I don't know what it was, but I do know the Bible says creation speaks. All I knew is when I looked at all the stars and all that stuff. I just, all that stuff is lies. My Bible is what gives me peace. There's not another book, not another newspaper, not another anything that can give me peace like that word. And creation speaks, and it helps me get in the tent. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to make any fun of any atheist. But I'm just thinking it's got to be awful hard to be an atheist. You've got to stay inside the whole day. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to start thinking somebody created that stuff. <laughs> yeah! Okay, we got another out. No. <laughs> God is looking into our hearts right now, and he's saying, he's looking for somebody that's saying with Paul in Philippians chapter 3, I want to know Christ. I want to know my friend. I want to know the one that paid the ultimate price, that was destroyed day in and day out, was ridiculed even as a young kid, as his, even his brothers and sisters rejected him. For 33 years, he paid a price to get me as his friend. And now he wants to walk with me. And he wants to take the land. And he reminds me that, hey, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But I don't listen to that. I'm thinking, no, Jesus, you don't understand. The way it goes here is if I don't witness, I won't get persecuted, and you don't have to worry about it either. He wants the people saved. Some are going to persecute us, and some are going to say yes. I wish I had another hour. But he's looking for somebody. He's looking for somebody, one by one, somebody that's saying, let's, let's put some music on, let's stand. He's looking for somebody that's, that's looking into his eyes and say, I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to even know the fellowship of the hard times, the sufferings. I somehow want to know what my friend's going through. I want to fellowship with your suffering and even be made conformable unto your death if necessary. And the Bible says right after that, therefore I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. What did he take hold of me for? He took hold of me so we could be friends. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He took hold of me so we could be friends. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He took hold of me so we could be friends. And then it says right after that, after it says, I want to know Christ, and I'm pressing on. Right after that, it says, anybody that is mature will take such a view of things. I'm only talking to mature people. Anybody that's mature is going to press on to take hold of that for which Christ told me. Anybody that's mature is going to know that place and going to make sure that place is central in his life. Hallelujah. 
want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, give me that desperate willingness, let's pray, give me that desperate willingness to win, look, Father God. Give me that eye of the tiger. I really believe that that, that monster had me beat for good. I really believed that I have to be in some religious, cultural, American mindset. But Lord, give me the eye of the tiger because today I know I don't have to be in that good little Christian-looking mindset. I can actually have friendship with God if I will get up and fight my way face-to-face with my friend. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. Let's just look to him a moment. Father, we just worship you. Father, you're, 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 you're touching our heart. You're walking by right now. You're walking by this way. And you have encouraged many of our hearts. You have encouraged us to look into this thing. I'm asking you, Father, help me. Every one of us in your heart, help me. Help me, Father God, to begin to restore zealous friendship with my Father, with my big brother Jesus, with my comforter Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Lord God. It will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. Folks, I've been counting the cost. I know it'll cost everything to have all of him that you can have. Do you want all of him? I've probably never counted the cost this deeply since I was saved. Since the day I said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, and realized I might have to be a Catholic priest. I might have to give up all kinds of hunting and trapping and fishing and I would never have a wife. I counted the cost. Even if it's that, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And if you want this fellowship, and if you want him to call your sons and daughters, you must leave the stuff that's holding you back from this heart cry. I want to know Christ. I want more and more and more of Jesus Christ. I want more. Oh, please, at least ask him to help you to want that if you don't. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father God. Hallelujah. I do believe in prayer. We can leave whenever you want. It's not even noon yet. It's probably about 11, 30, 40. Come up for prayer. We will agree with you in prayer. We've got people that will pray with you. I'll pray with you. 